Okay. I'm positioned. Thank you for your patience. Amazing. I think we're all uh, ready to rock. Yeah. Yep. So indeed, we can rock. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Repeater. Uh, It's the podcast where we talk to people about uh, their favorite songs, songs that are meaningful to them, maybe songs they fucking hate and really want to rant about, but not so often. Um, I am your host, Evan Ford Barden, and uh, through the internet with me here uh, is Pat Cartelli. Pat, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. I am also here via the internet. Hell yeah. Um... Everyone on the internet, Pat just said hello to you, so I hope you uh, return that in kind to him. I would like everyone bombarding Pat's inbox, iMessage, yeah. uh, whatever you can get, however you can get to him. Twitter, yeah, please. You know. I don't have enough emails. My inbox is sparse. Just We're trying to get him to uh, inbox 3,000. You know, we need him at a minimum yeah. of 3,000 unread yeah. emails in his Gmail at any given time. Yeah, it's this new life hack, getting things done methodology uh, that I'm trying to patent. Uh, it is how I'm going to become cryptocurrency rich and famous. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the Gen X like tech innovators had it wrong with Inbox Zero. It's the millennials are really going to uh, reboot this and we're going Inbox 3000. Um, so, look yeah. out, you know, look out Silicon Valley. We're coming for you. Um, with us today is just the incredible, you know, she's already just kind of like here listening to us be fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and everyone else on the internet, please welcome Kelly Quinn. <laughs> hello, internet. <laughs> Kelly, hello. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, of course. Um, are you? We're recording on a on a weekend. Uh, before we started rolling, we were talking about lazy lazy weekends. Um, yeah, what's the what's the vibe like, guys? Both of you, you know, what's going on with the weekend right now? I ate a spoonful of Nutella before we started recording, so mm. yes. living my best life. Yes, I ate bites of a Humboldt Fog a cheese wedge with my mouth. Yes. No silverware. I Ooh. ate. Um, a few loose dumplings right before we started. Loose dumplings. Yeah, so I like that. Sometimes they be too tight. They're you got to keep yeah, them loose. You got to keep them loose. You got to, you know, the filling doesn't, you don't want it too, like, too compact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think just like with the fact that all three of us had pretty unstructured, you know, Saturdays so far and like plenty of time, but then we were just shoving food in our mouths before we jumped onto a scheduled call. Um, mm-hmm. Is beautiful. My one commitment yeah, of the, the day, one yeah. of the day <laughs> is beautiful little, and shameful at the same time. It's it's a little pick me up. There's no shame in loose dumplings, in uh, Nutella, in humbled cheese. Mm-hmm. Should mm-hmm. you got to treasure the little things, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that's what uh, the movie Soul is about. So um, if you need a real lesson, real lesson in treasuring the little things, go check out Disney's Soul. It's available now. It is. Uh, Disney is sponsoring this podcast. We are officially sponsored by Disney. Yeah. Um, That's so amazing. Waiting on those checks. 
There was a period at the beginning of quarantine where my downstairs neighbor, I believe, was doing an OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. And I think the focus of the OnlyFans was um, non-consensual content, sexual content. So there was a lot of um, wailing, Mm -hmm. uh, just like the most upsetting sex noises you could possibly hear for for hours (laughs) on end. Um, And I, you know, I am anti- police i was like okay i'm not gonna call cops and then we realized kelsey was taking the dog out and we heard her go okay so that one was for you know evan or whatever uh-huh. uh, not uh, you know no, just that for the sake of argument now that you say my name yeah like, you were with, requesting those words yeah 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 you were requesting porn on OnlyFans, <laughs> and your request had been that she got spanked with 25 di- different objects for his 25 for his 25th birthday yes 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 um, yes yeah, so that's what you did, and and that's why my life in the yeah. first m- couple months of quarantine was hell. Yeah, wow. I'm sorry I did that to you. I know I'm an old looking 25, but I just <laughs> yeah I did want to celebrate <laughs> appropriately, you know. Yeah, and consensually. So that was mm-hmm. important. Uh, let's do what we always do. We start off the show with some music recommendations. Pat, what do you have for us today? Um, today. Well, today, you know, lazy, lazy weekend, but decided to do some organizing, do a little bit of cleaning up, see maybe if I had some old or clothes I no longer need that I could donate. Um, so I put on the Mountain Goats Jordan Lakes Sessions, which was at the beginning of all of, well, no, I don't remember how time works. This was in November. So this was like way after the pandemic started, but they Mm -hmm. basically did two nights of streaming shows from a music studio. They were a lot of fun. Um, They ultimately put this out as a digital release. Um, I would say, I mean, I've talked about the mountain goats a ton on here. I think it's really good in, if that's something you want to start exploring a lot of good variety in the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they played a song that genuinely shocked me that they played, um, called golden boy. And it is an ode to golden boy peanuts, which I know nothing about. <laughs> um, but it yeah. is such a heartwarming and heartfelt song, but presumably just a brand of cheap packaged peanuts. So highly recommend checking mm. that out. Yeah. I love a peanut song. I will. I want to know more about that brand now that's like piqued my interest yeah yeah i feel like they can really uh spin a song out of anything like one of the true talents of uh of that man is just like i don't know great great lyricist you know in terms of being able to just like really make anything interesting on a on an on a song yeah yeah it's somebody that is able to use words in a way that i don't understand how how those words can be pieced together in such like almost yeah, an enigmatic truly. way. Um, just yeah. envious of that. Take an ordinary object and imbue it with meaning and just, a, yeah, a skill I can't begin to understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> truly unrelatable to me as an untalented person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, Pat. Yeah, I, uh, I was listening last Last night and today, I've been revisiting. This is not a new new recommendation by any means. I would say it's like a, a modern classic, but um, been revisiting Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings oh, 2010 yeah. album. I learned the hard way and mm-hmm. particularly fond 
I mean, I love that whole album, but I almost had forgotten about the the very last track on the album, which is like uh, really stripped down. I think it's just a guitar and then the Sharon and the singers. Um, and it's called Mama Don't Like My Man. And it's like two and a half minutes. <laughs> it's super simple. And it's just, you know, it's exactly what the title sounds like. It's just her asking her mom why she doesn't like her man. And uh, <laughs> it's great. It's full of like a mother's judgment and uh, new love. And it's um, as much as like the Dap Kings that are such a great full band. It's so nice to also hear like something that's a little stripped down at the very end of the album. Just like a little bit of a little secret little gift there. Um, but man, I forgot how much I love that album. And I feel like it also opened this door to like uh, a little bit of a like the mod, like the current whatever the current wave is that I feel like Daptone are the harbingers of, of like, you mm-hmm. know, n- n- um, retro R and B kind of coming back. Um, yeah, that was the album. I feel like that really hooked me. So that was very nice to, to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn zone, That's a good album. Brooklyn zone, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Ish. Wow. I didn't know that. I don't think she's from Brooklyn, but that's where Daptone records is in Bushwick. Yeah. And that's where like okay. all of their artists ostensibly operate. Or did operate out of uh, Brooklyn. Oh, cool. Yeah. Kelly, uh, what's something recent that you've been listening to? Oh, well, you know, last night I, um, after work, I was unwinding and drinking some wine and listening to. I'm the one person in the world without Spotify. Mm -hmm. So I do, unfortunately, use Apple Music, which I think is not a sophisticated way to listen to music. But I put on one of their, like, essentials playlist. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to some Anderson Pac. Oh yeah, nice. just some nice, you know. He's so fun. Uh, drums, yeah, good piano, yeah, just like good, fun jazzy stuff. Yeah, that's great. Freaking love it. Yeah, um, yeah. It was we were talking uh, recent. I don't know if it, the, it'll be out. I think it'll come out after this one actually. But we were talking with uh, Draw Milligan about uh, Silk Sonic, which is. Um, Anderson Pock and um, Bruno Mars, and yeah, yeah, also, yeah, one of the their, yeah, one of their collabs was in there, and I didn't yeah. know about it oh, until yeah. last night. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, catch it. That's a new vibe to catch, you know. Uh, yeah, Silk Sonic, but Anderson on his own is so so great and so fun. Just a yeah. really fantastic performer. Yeah. Um, but Kelly, what song did you want to talk about with us today? What is this? What is the song that we're gonna we're gonna dig into here? The song we're going to dig into is Lil Wayne's uh, Mrs. Officer. Mrs. Officer is the song. This is a, a Lil Wayne track from the Carter This is a Lil Wayne three, track. I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yeah. Why, uh, why was this the song you picked today? Well, okay, you know, it's be- I've been thinking more about Lil Wayne in the last couple weeks than I had in or the last couple months than I had in a while because he endorsed Trump. And that was pretty upsetting in the last election. Um, but I was talking with a friend recently about songs you have songs that are so vulgar or crazy that it's like you have no real right to be to feel sentimental about them. But maybe they accompanied some of your, be- you know, you're like. There's the soundtrack of your youth, youth so you feel yeah. uh, weirdly yeah. moved when you hear them. And Mrs. Officer is one of those for me. As I mean, a lot of the Carter Three, Lollipop, mm-hmm. Amelie, you know, I think yeah, I mean, Comfortable we're, is on that. 
folks, if I may speak for uh, folks in their 30s, uh, folks in their 30s yeah. are like the prime years of Lil Wayne's fandom, right? Like, yes, he was the background track of many a party, probably to, many uh, a party. to our generation. Yeah. Um, and I'm many somebody who's like night. pretty ignorant of his career, honestly. But even like, you, you know, you just unavoidable like he, he's on you're gonna hear him <laughs> you're gonna hear about yeah. him yeah like a cultural uh, just a part of the culture i would say big time a part of the culture absolutely and i remember specifically the first time i heard this song it was released the day that i was going to see rilo kiley play at the norva which was like a club in virginia beach near where i went to college mm-hmm. um and my f- we weren't friends at the time, but my friend now, Tao Wynn, was opening for her with her band, The Get Down, Stay Down. And so I mm-hmm. I went with a friend who was actually my high school boyfriend, um, and I wasn't out of the closet yet. So he, it, we were sort of like keeping in touch. We went to different colleges, and he was driving me uh, to this concert to go see Rilo Kylie together. Ostensibly as friends, I think he still you know, maybe was holding a candle for me and I was not like awesome about being queer yet. So I was like, well, maybe I can like come back around on, you know, if I like try really hard to like, yeah, you know, be attracted to this person, um, maybe it could work. And we had this wonderful time. We, we saw this concert. Rilo Kylie's, I mean, Jenny Lewis is an incredible live performer. And this is like mm-hmm. her at her like indie goddess peak. I think like uh, just like a killer show. And then we drove back and we were listening to the Carter Three. And Mrs. Officer is like a laugh aloud funny song. It's so like nasty. It's about, you know, Lil Wayne getting pulled over by a lady cop and um, immediately having sex with her. Like, no, there's, there's <laughs> no, not even. He says like she reads him his rights but like there's no i have no idea what she got what he got pulled over for there's no discussion of that it's mm-hmm. just like you know the the uniform fitter so tight and, and then he had to he, he was moved to have sex with her um <laughs> so i was just like having this great night with this you know this person i who's a company i still enjoy i still see him he lives in the city i'm going to his wedding this summer if COVID allows and oh, yeah. um i just could not i was like damn it was sort of a major emotional reckoning moment for me where I was like, God, this, you know. And I think this song came out that day. I think I looked up today. It was Whoa. June 10th, 2008 is the night that I saw Jenny Lewis and Rilo Kylie at mm-hmm. the Norva and the Carter Three was released that day. So we Whoa. were listening to a new release together. Whoa. And I was like, damn, I am trying my hardest to have feelings for this person who is a wonderful hang and I can't do it um yeah so you know there's like a little bit of melancholy mixed into this song uh, you yeah. know just for like giving up a way of life that i had been really like <laughs> committed to trying to make work for myself and you know ultimately obviously better not to be pretend straight but mm-hmm. this sure. the song represents sort of a farewell to that idea for me yeah um wow like what a uh likely unique emotional connection to Mrs. Officer. Yeah, I don't, don't want to like exclude anyone else out there who had a really similar experience, but <laughs> I'm just going to say like, it's likely that this is fairly unique um, connection to this particular song. Yeah. I hope a lot of people had a, a crisis 
yeah. listening to Mrs. Officer <laughs> for the first time. I, I will say, though, I do f- feel that it's deeply re- relatable. Um, I've never been in the closet and trying to come out and, and be a different version of myself. But I do think college is a time that many people maybe have left behind certain relationships and are yeah. trying to figure out if they were good and figure out if they should keep them and figure out, you know, um, yeah, if they're viable. And there is a sadness associated with kind of realizing when some of them aren't. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's like still one of my, yeah, top three therapy yeah. concerns. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, how do I know when a relationship, a friendship, whatever is outlived its, you know, its purpose? Um, it's, a t- it's a tough topic. Yeah. But there's a... Everyone relates. There seem... I, it's, like, also heartwarming, though, to hear that you are still friends with this person. Oh, yeah. He's great. His name is Will. I don't think he'd mind me saying that. Yeah. We went to prom together in high school. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So now, as you were in this process, right, you've stayed friends with, with Will all these mm-hmm. years. Um is this something eventually like you talked with him about? um, Yes. During like these years or, you know, that time period? Yes. After we both graduated college, he sent me a really beautiful long letter um, saying that, you know, he had been thinking about next steps in life and that he knew, you know, whatever came next that, or you know, whatever sort of like dating or friend relationship we had 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 always meant a lot to him and that he was wondering if there was something more to explore. And it was a very beautiful, very candid letter. And I I think reading that, I was like, oh, I owe this guy. I really hadn't come out to many people yet, but I was like, I owe this guy, you know, an explanation. I haven't meant to lead him on and any interest I displayed in him was not, it wasn't fake. It just wasn't the kind that I was pretending it was. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I ended up writing him sort of a very long confessional letter back being like, hey, you know, <laughs> realizing that I wasn't attracted to you. I don't think I don't know that this will be flattering, but like realizing that I wasn't attracted to you was very pivotal for me because you're such a great, funny, cool, smart person. And it's like, if I can't, I can't pull it out for this guy. I mean, it's just not happening, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we had a, a, a nice, very... Um, uh, I don't know. It was a, he, his reaction was pitch perfect. I felt very supported and um, cared for. And we sort of immediately flipped into just being buddies. Yeah. That's great. That's really yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I think that's, you know, because of an emotional maturity on his part that I think it could have gone badly. But yeah, well, both of you. I mean, that's what a difficult. <laughs> I mean, difficult thing to communicate, you know, especially to like you said, it's like you don't know if this is going to be flattering or not to kind of like. Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I can remember um, I can remember one friend, uh, uh, like a pair of friends who I met as like came to college together as a couple and left mm. college as like one of the one of them was gay and one of them wasn't. And yeah, um, they did not like there was like tension there, even oh, though things were friendly kind of by the end of it. Um, there was definitely some tension where I think, and I, and who knows, I, like, I, I never inquired deeply about what went, went on there, but I have to imagine having really incredible communication skills and being really vulnerable and like honest the way that it sounds like both of you were is a huge part of maybe getting past something like that and 
being supportive of each other, you know, rather than upset about what one person may have done, not have done, may Mm -hmm. have said, may have not said, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean, when I think about my, yeah, that time in my life, it was like, oh yeah, I I still do. I think I was watching that Fran Lebowitz documentary. She was like, oh, musicians, like all artists, I guess, you know, provide value to the world or whatever, but musicians bring the most like pleasure. There's just no question. You can listen to it anytime. You can make it mean whatever you want. It's just like, there's something very magical about music. But at that time I was like really connect, you know, I guess it's music's meaning and purpose for me changes with every age, you know, with every age you go through, you relate to music differently or different sounds differently. But at that time I was really like relating hard to everything I heard and often moved to, you know, (laughs) to tears by music. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, your twenties, your brain chemistry is, is bonkers in your twenties. I feel like nothing says your twenties like, uh, that, that Venn diagram of, Rilo Kylie concert and blasting the brand new drop that day. <laughs> brand Lil new Wayne Carter album. Three. Yeah, like that—that's very, very like perfect for folks of a certain age. And yeah, exactly. And to be like in your twenties because it's you know it is. It's about trying to have fun. It's about feeling things very deeply. Yeah. Um, and maybe not always having like the most measured reactions to things in the world. Yes. And, that are <laughs> happening to you. So it's. Yeah, it's like peaks and valleys, you know, for sure. Yeah, because I can recall like at that age, you know, I think when you're in high school or middle school or whatever, you look at college and go, okay, that is when I am an adult. adult." Uh, But you get to college and that's not necessarily true. Like you are now making decisions for yourself. But I was an idiot. Like I was real dumb Uh and not like. (laughs) but part of it was just like figuring out who I was as a person and trying to understand how to interact with the world. And part of that was defining yourself with that music. Right. Like, yeah. And I know that I, I mean, I can't name it now, but at the time I very much said, like had this internal monologue of like, this is my music and that is your music or like, this Mm -hmm. is the music that we share. And if things weren't working out, then it's like so dramatic, but it's like, well, I can't listen to that band anymore. And like, yeah, it's so weird because like it is an emotional connection but also like you can just listen to it and maybe it does remind you of something (laughs) sad or tough but like right now i'm just talking to my past self telling myself to get over it (laughs) yeah no little pat had to feel his feelings oh yeah no absolutely and i think people don't do that enough yeah for me too so much then it was like i grew up in a very strict very socially conservative household um and my my media intake was controlled pretty heavily. So the only time I had to myself was in the car listening to music. And this mm-hmm. is like anytime I was home, even still, you know, uh, very involved parents for better or for worse. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was like listening to music was the only free space I had. And even then, like I remember one time my brother and I, I, think, I don't remember when the spe- speaker box, the Love Below album came out, but we drove to Best Buy, r- listened to it as much as we could on the way home. And we got home from Best Buy and my mom like asked where we had been and we were like, oh, we were buying a CD. And she saw the CD. It was like a, you know, hip hop CD that had mm-hmm. parental advisory. She broke it over her knee. And that was it. We had Whoa. one ride with Speakerbox the Leppolo and that was it. So I think oh. I definitely for a while like boomeranged 
hard the other way where I was like, well, actually, I'm only going to listen to rap and hip hop and you can't stop me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So Lil Wayne was a part of that. Um, But I still feel this strange loyalty to him, despite him being a Trump voter. He's really fucking funny. His lyrics are among the funniest. And just a talent like uh, I don't I, I there's no other way to say it, but like he's a super talented individual, you know, like yes. people can, people have different things that they value within world of talent, world of music, whatever. Like, right. so let's get over that, I guess is what I'm. But it's like yeah. he's been he's been he was rapping from like the age of eight. Right. He was like yes. signed at 12. Like he knows a ton about music about the world of hip-hop yes. all that stuff i think he also didn't he put out like a couple years after this one he put out basically like a rock rock album oh my god like, yes oh, Rebirth. Right. yeah like he i that album really sucks but there's a song on yeah. it that i love um that he does with Nicki minaj it's called knockout you guys should listen it's oh, yeah yeah really good Is but that... i just think it's yeah sorry paco I was just going to say, is that around the time that he toured with Blink-182 or is that a different? (laughs) Maybe. No, I think that is somewhere in the same sphere or if not, like that might have been a few years after, but it was partially because he had done Rebirth, I think. And Mm. oh, no, that was recent. Am I way off? You might be right. I I think that was recent. But I feel like regardless, I feel like his willingness to jump into something like rock and I remember listening to that album as a 23-year-old like yeah. kid who loved indie rock and being like, what the fuck is he doing? This sucks. <laughs> right. And it's not, this is not rock music. You just have guitars on rap songs, whatever. Right. The, the, the point is not to judge that album, but the point is like, he's obviously very open to a number of other ideas and he like wanted to try to do a rock album. And yeah. when you're the king of like hip hop at that moment to just be like, yeah, I don't know, I want to make a, rap, a rock album is kind of just, admirable in and of itself yeah, like totally. you know you're probably gonna bomb and you do it anyways right but yeah and his, he is he is an incredible like lyricist funny all that kind of stuff um but yeah his like drug goblin persona is so funny <laughs> <laughs> anytime he laughs in a song which is most songs i feel like he drops a little <laughs> you know yeah yeah <laughs> it's so good but then like you know also as you've said you know we can listen to a lot of his work with our adult ears now and it's like yeah there's a lot of content that's kind of like pretty questionable that maybe we don't want to so disrespectful uh we wouldn't want to like i don't know uh sing to our nieces and nephews (laughs) like it's not you know it's but that's probably a lot of music we listen to um in different ways yeah well and then there's music that is meaningful to you versus music that like uh not versus like there's music that's meaningful to you but then in retrospect you look back and go oh goodness this is not good yeah. this should right. not have been said i mean it's also like that difference of what it whether why the song's meaningful to you right the song right. is meaningful to you because you resonate with it the lyrics the mute whatever it is but then there's also it's just it was there at the right time and Kelly, yeah, like, that's right kind place, of what's right perfect time. about this song yeah is like the divergence between what this song is about and your association with it are right it's <laughs> it's like insanely beautifully like not related at all like they're (laughs) so far they almost couldn't be further apart yeah like the horniest song about cops which i hate and yeah (laughs) (laughs) this very sweet association with it (laughs) yeah there's like the thinnest through line of romance but it truly could not be thinner (laughs) yeah 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, when when you sent this song, I, so I had ne- I've never heard this song, I don't think. Unless okay. in passing in the background, whatever. Um mm-hmm. What'd you think? Hilarious in some ways. Yeah. The fact that they Bobby V sings a siren song a bunch mm-hmm. in like he sings what a police siren is. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally crazy. I I think I I wonder if this is a song that would get made in 2021 um, by, I mean, I guess given like his recent politics, like maybe right, Lil maybe. Wayne would make this song in 2021, yeah. but I don't know that to like be too incendiary. many. Yeah, I don't know right. like, too many other like hip hop artists would. Um, right. I'm, I don't want to uh, paint everyone in the world of hip hop as like a monolith or anything, but I don't think this would be like as a as glossed over a song as it probably right. was, uh, you know, back when this came out. 2008, yeah. 2008, yeah. right? Where you could be like, because there's parts of the song where they're like poking fun at the actual injustice of like police brutality, right? He says something like, he, I forget what the lyric is exactly, but he says something like, bang him up like, like he's talking about Rodney King, fucking baby her. Yeah. said, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. He invokes Rodney King twice. Yeah. Uh, in a pretty short song, <laughs> but like it, to be funny, uh, yeah. you know, kind you know to be yeah. clever at least, and um, yeah, I don't know that we would. I don't think we're there anymore. No, um, certainly it's like, not. You know the the genies out of the bottle. Uh, I think in culturally in that way. And, yeah, um, we now know there are no good cops. There's even even if there's sexy lady cops, they're not good cops. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me, I guess, was listening to this and I was like, oh, maybe he will deftly, deftly address this like towards the end of the song or something. And like at no point does it get the treatment you kind of are like hoping for yeah. um, in today's world. But it was 2008 and, you know, we were just riding high. On, You're um, riding high on Obama. Obama, like nothing could be nothing could be bad about this country. We just did yeah. the best thing imaginable, and we were invincible. We were in college, so yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? I will. I thank you for bringing it into my life, but at the same time, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, it's like we are we are in just the midst of like a national reckoning with the subject matter you know part part of the subject matter of this song i mean if not both like the horniness of the song frankly Mm -hmm. and cops like both of those things are something i think america has like tried to address head on in the last few years right yeah that's i think another part of why it's been on my mind is like i had never um you know the last year has radicalized me i think more than the trump years you know i think probably pushed a lot of people further to the left and the way the big way that's manifested for me is that i joined the dsa uh in new york and then started like working with their defund the police you know sometimes like tabling and stuff um and that to me is like uh that's the issue that's gonna make the city a viable place for normal people to live again is that, that it, you know, becomes a place where the rich are taxed adequately. And then that on top of that money is divested from the police force and invested back into housing and healthcare and services for people who need mental health help and jobs and all that kind of stuff. So 
yeah, it's been uh, really on my mind lately. And then I, yeah, I was wondering the person before, like, oh yeah, I, I was really bopping to Mrs. Officer uh, and still yeah. do, you know, when it, when it comes on. So. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and Evan, like you were saying, 2008 uh, was very much, you know, we elected Obama. Things are great. Things are, have never been better. Everything's fine. There are no problems at all. And you know, Trump definitely pulled the curtain back to show like, oh, oh, actually, there are still Nazis around and white supremacy is rampant and police are just murdering people in the streets for no reason or the reasons that they give are <laughs> flawed and lies. But Kelly, I'm glad that you brought up defunding and in the way that you did. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about that, because I think people here defund the police and you know start to ask well how are we going to be safe i know that my neighbor mm. is very afraid of that um, yeah i have and some we'll, neighbors who don't like that too yeah and you know she, they have definitely brought up like well we had this violent crime on our block and you talk to them about it and you realize oh it's somebody with like a mental health issue um mm -hmm. and there are structures to be put in place. But uh, as somebody that has done more of that work, I'm now just citing off things that I've read. I have not done that work. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit I more mean, about that. I mean, it's the that. same. For, it's just reading. I think that's reading and then and trying to link up with people who know more than you do is truly all you can do. Because I think what I'm tired of is the, um, the game of like stupid whack-a-mole we play every time a cop murders a citizen in a new in a new place around the country we all do this thing where we're in these frantic like letter writing campaigns and calling campaigns to get the individual cop fired like that's gonna do fucking anything i think we need to stop being babies and we need to wrap our minds around the fact that the systems we grew up with are not serving us anymore and for some people they never served you know they never served large parts of the population and they weren't intended to so to try to get imaginative yeah. about what it actually looks like to be safe. I saw this infographic, you know, we're all ingesting infographics at an, an unsustainable rate right now on social media. But I'm looking I at three of them right now. Yeah. It's impossible to not be I looking at I saw one the other day that I was like, one time, you know, sometimes they're so pithy that you're like, oh, I hadn't <laughs> thought about it in this way before. And one was like, yeah, the cops don't stop. They don't prevent crime. They show up after crimes happen. And I think that's the kind of thing you can say to a neighbor that gives mm -hmm. them pause, right? It's I've never uh, experienced a cop preventing someone from, you know, trying to harm me on public transit or, you know, right. my friends who reported sexual assaults never had cops help even with the cleanup of the, you know, with the investigation of that crime, they're often disbelieved and not. So I think it's just about, um, and because of all the media, right? Because of Mrs. Officer or and you know mm -hmm, SVU, mm -hmm. we're inundated with all these messages and media of um, cops are there to help. This is how we stay safe, and so we're really addicted to uh, the idea of having like uh, yeah a structure that that saves us. But that structure has guns, and there's no other group of people in the country who are instructed to try to protect us while also having tools that that kill people on them yeah um yeah, yeah. there's i mean there's a lot that that can be said about that stuff you know i think someone was just pointing out the other day about you know what are our um 
I forget which part of the Constitution this was, but uh, there's this whole concept right around like no standing army. Like that was mm-hmm. something that that the founders wanted to for- forbid. And the idea of police um, didn't exist back then. Right. So there was they weren't going to write anything into like any to, to, to comment Founding on the, document. What, yeah. What a standing police force should or should not do, because um, the only thing that resembled police were often like the types of folks that would go you know, round up bounties and slave catchers, like people that mm-hmm. were basically there to make sure slaves stayed on the property that they belonged to. Mm-hmm. And and the way that police have become militarized now by 2021, I think very much resembles what our founding fathers like would have opposed in principle. Yeah, a, yeah right. in principle, they were talking about British army, like the British army being able to be located for an indefinite amount of time and impose their will on citizens. And what we have now in the United, in the various police forces of the United States is probably ideologically exactly what the the founding fathers wanted to avoid and sought to avoid when they were creating these documents, you know? Um, Yeah. And it also, this, it also makes me think of, uh, I mean, one thing to acknowledge too, it's like we were talking about countries reckoning with this in the last few years. I also think like, just the general, I don't know, over the, the horniness of his song. It's like, it's also something we've reckoned a lot with um, since Me Too really took off, right? And I just want to say it's like, we're still really dumb and ignorant and trying to like learn. Like, Pat and I are men and we're still misogynistic in a lot of ways. And the three people on this call are, are white and we're still racist in a lot of ways, right? And mm-hmm. we are still a part of white supremacy and benefit from white supremacy. And it is our job then to organize fellow white folks and mm-hmm. to try to make change. And it's, it is not the whack-a-mole like you described, Kelly. It is what you are doing with DSA and what people can do. And I want people to understand you can truly do this with like so many different organizations and in so many different ways. Yeah. But, but the groundwork, those calls are important, I think. I think those campaigns are important, but the groundwork is organizing. The groundwork is to do consistent, regular organizing and build a base. Yeah. And even even in just using the phrase defunding the police, that's half of what the tabling work, right? It's about getting yeah. the word into the vernacular, making people less scared mm-hmm. of the idea and making them realize that they have neighbors they might consider moderate who who still hold that this is a good idea that will benefit our communities. I grew up, my dad is FBI. My granddad was a chief of police. I have a very law enforcement heavy family. And there were years where I resisted using those words defund or abolish because I was, you know, I'm from Virginia and there are people I knew I was going to offend if I started talking like that. A lot of friends who from high school who are cops now, and um, I didn't want to alienate people or make them feel like their job made them innately evil in some way. But I think starting Mm -hmm. to use that language is like, it's not about people. It's about an institution. And you can be doing something for a job thinking that you're you're helping. But we can find these people work that is meaningful and that doesn't hurt other people. And I really grew up with this ingrained idea of there are good guys and there are bad guys. And people who do crime are bad guys. Um, and so it was a real like mindfuck to learn that, oh, you know, a lot of crime arises from need and it's not just because people innately want to, you know, watch the world burn or do joker shit. It's like, no, they they need stuff. So they steal or, you know, we're not providing support. And yeah, right. Uh, exactly. They don't have houses. And, you know, like people don't do this stuff, stuff fun. Uh, 
and cops can't help with that. And they're not equipped to help with that, but we ask them to help with yeah. that. We ask them to help with all the mental health and, problems. And because of the long, long history of cops mistreating so many people in like huge swaths of this population in the United States, um, cops are scary. Cops are fucking oh, yeah. scary. Right. And I can say that as somebody who is going to be treated the best by cops. And even interact like when I'm interacting with them, it is scary. So from if just every impulse in your body, it just does something that you it's it's not easy to control. It is not there's no there shouldn't be like an expected result of when a cop talks to you. It's like you're immediately freaking out. Yeah. Whether right. you're showing it or not, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think with defund too, you know, um, our new age, our new age savior, uh, truly can do no wrong. AOC uh, <laughs> said it best. <laughs> God, I have so many uncles I would throw up if yeah, I know they were talking about AOC that way. But I think AOC did say on like an IG live or something. She she just asked people. She's like, I don't know if you're from the suburbs. That's what a world without policing looks like. Yeah, like if you did, right. if you grew up without cops hanging out by your house in case like yeah. to talk to you when you came out of it like that's what it looks like you know yeah and that's exactly like the town where i came from and i can also tell you that a lot of blue collar very normal people from the town that i'm from they all think cops get paid too much because they don't like do there's nothing to do in our town you know there's like uh, no crime no yeah. whatever right and so in some ways i'm like that is even its own like beautiful little example right. totally extrapolated from like just the urban violence that happens all the time but that even is like a little example of like, that's what, what do you mean defund the police? Do you want these, do you want all these cops in this town who don't do anything really to all be making like, you know, six figures a couple times over for sitting in their cars and occasionally yelling at teenagers for drinking beer? Right. And <laughs> most of them don't want that, you know, it's it's not, they, they understand that it's absurd. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that money, like we were saying, it could go to those needs, the needs of the yeah. people that they're not being met, right? Like. And when people are, I mean, prisons is like a huge other subject in this, oh, yeah. but, um, you know, removing somebody from a community and not providing for that community, not trying to like prisons aren't rehabilitation. That is not mm -hmm. what they do. They remove somebody from their community and profit. That mm -hmm. is what happens. And, you know, I think listening to this episode when it comes out, listening to it years from now, something that we should even mention is like Rikers Island and how those prisoners are being treated with COVID. Um, I don't have the rates in front of me, but it's absurd that they are not getting vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And, and really no one there, no one on Rikers has been convicted of a crime, which is something right, I right. didn't know until Rikers recently. is a jail, not a prison. Yes. And for anyone who is not aware of that distinction, Pretty much everyone in jail and most everyone on Rikers are people awaiting trial or have a cash bail set against them, which they cannot pay. So it means they have been accused of a crime and have not a not a conviction on them. No due process. Um, yeah. Right. And it is truly one of the great atrocities of our it's a Yeah, it's a moral system. failing of New York City that. Uh, right. Yeah. And yes. when, you know, I happened to drive past there the other the entrance to there the other day because it's in Astoria, um, where I live, and the the billboard, the big sign on the front says uh, something along the lines of like "Home of New York City's boldest." Like, well, what, what is yeah? 
What does that mean? What? The, uh, what does the, that mean? The police, I believe, are the bra- bravest, right? New York's bravest. Or is that the fire department? I can't hey. remember. But there's bravest and boldest, boldest is the tagline given to corrections officers. specifically. Oh, 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 oh okay. I thought it was referring and- to the... <laughs> The, the inhabitants the, of Rikers. I was like, oh, there. interesting. No, no, no. It's like no. it's like the catchphrase for people that work as corrections Boldest. officers. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so bringing that up during a pandemic, like when I went to get my vaccine, which was great, it was another little, uh, I don't know, inkling of like what the world could be because you show up, you sign in didn't have to pay for anything. Nobody mm-hmm. asked for anything. They were just like, cool, here is your vaccination. And it sort of shows like, well, this is another way we could meet the needs of the people of this country is to mm-hmm. take some money from the police, from the military, from, you know, there's billions and trillions of dollars going to defense that why not take care of the people at home? Why not just help a little bit? You know, yeah. my dad was here the other day and his medication he was proud. I mean, thank. I'm so happy he got the medication, but he was proud that it, the insurance was able to talk it down from like a couple hundred dollars to $80 for this little thing that was like maybe two tablespoons of liquid. Damn. That's insane. That's yeah. that's not a small amount of money. And yeah. that's not how this world should be. But that is where we are because all of these structures are in place to keep people down. Yeah. I truly feel like we could continue the lefty pinko talk hours uh, for, for hours. the rest of the night for hours um so we can perhaps we can leave it at defund the police defund the abolish police. prisons mm-hmm. and health care for all that yeah. i think those are the biggest biggest takeaways those are my biggest takeaways from mrs officer by lil wayne yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and we are gonna pat and i are gonna donate a few dollars to um the dsa defund the police uh campaign is that the right name for it kelly can you tell people where they can also donate some money uh we'll obviously put the link link in the episode comments but what's what's the actual campaign that's it um that's it yeah dsa has a bunch of like working groups where they organize around different issues and that's the only one i've really there's like the racial justice working group and then a subset of that is um to like get out messaging on defunding the police in the city. So check it out if you haven't. It's a good, good yeah. group of people. I would also want to add on that note uh, to anyone who's in New York, we have primary elections coming up this summer, I believe June 22nd. Yes. It could be off by a day or yep. two. No, that's right. And there are a lot of really important races happening. Um, not We're not going to be able to cover them all right here, but I, I would definitely urge Everyone, especially if you have a DA race in your borough, mm-hmm. please, please, please take that seriously. The implications for incarceration, um, for how people are processed once they have interactions with police are really important around DA races. And the DA race in Manhattan is particularly, I think, um, important this year. So if you are in Manhattan, Cy Vance is finally stepping down as the Manhattan DA. There's a huge field of eight people running four of them suck ass yeah. uh and four of them are like okay a couple of those four are probably even better um we're not making any endorsements or anything but i just want everyone to know that uh check out the five borough defenders guide to the manhattan da race if you want to uh figure out who's who totally sucks ass and who's kind of okay yeah um that'll that'll definitely help and please 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 uh vote in those primary elections because in new york we are a democratic city 
generally speaking. So the primaries decide the actual elections. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the PSA on that. Kelly, thank you so much for for sharing this with us, because not only was this a really fruitful conversation about uh, racial and social justice, but honestly, like a a beautiful personal story as well. And I don't think we could have possibly expected to have both of those things in one one sitting. So, so thank you so much. Thank you yeah, thank for having you. me. It was a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to plug and how can people stay up to date with what's going on oh. in your, your, your world? Not doing a lot of stuff to worth plugging these days. I do have a Twitch show every Thursday at 8 PM. Um, we're going to change the name cause right now it has a swear word in it, which makes it a little hard to promote, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called eating shit and loving it right now. Um, mm-hmm. I do it with Dan Moore and Sean O'Reilly and we watch, uh, you know, sort of mystery science theater, but for bad internet videos and YouTube vloggers and stuff. Um, so check that yeah. out Thursdays at 8 PM. Sounds delightful. Oh, it's a true, true joy. Um, by far one of the best things that I think entertainment wise has come out of, uh, the pandemic is, is y- your beautiful Twitch show. It's very kind. Yeah. And, uh, are you at Hey KQ? Is that correct I on am. social? That's everywhere on social media, pretty much. I'm at H-E-Y-K-Q. Damn, you got them all. Got them all. Uh, Somebody congrats, else got Kelly know. Quinn's vote, so I had to come up with a little <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> um, and you can keep up to date with us on social media at Repeater Show on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also check out repeater.show. That's the website. Got more info. Got all the episodes. Um, and you know, hey... If you if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating. We'll we'll read a five star review on the show. Why the hell not? Uh, it's been a minute since we've had one, so folks, we could really use one to be perfectly <laughs> I'll do honest. One, I'll do um, one right now. I'm fucking begging here. Uh, yeah, Kel, could you give it five stars? You guys can't see, but Evan is on his physical knees begging for yeah, a five star review. It's p- it's pitiful, actually. Yeah. It, and that's the review. That's a great review. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that. <laughs> five stars. That's, that's all we need. As long as you give it five stars, you can say whatever demeaning shit you want about yeah. me. Um, I will take it and I will love it. I will love it. A little gremlin boy. A little gremlin boy. <laughs> Just pleading for five star reviews. Uh, folks, that's it. Until next time, hit repeat. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. <laughs>